Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. Hey, everybody. So glad to be back on Beyond the Sessions at the Securely Attached podcast. We've got Dr. Emily Upshur, Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg, and we're going to be answering a question that someone sent me on a DM on Instagram. She said, hi, Dr. Bren. How do I address a toddler having a big imagination and saying something that isn't true? For example, I'm even taller than daddy, or I flew a plane across the Atlantic Ocean, or I have a house that has 20 dogs, et cetera, et cetera. I usually went along with it, but I wonder if this could lead to lying. My toddler is three. I think this is like, one, a super like common worry among parents, and I feel like I've got some really great news for this mom, which is, (laughs) drum roll please, (laughs) this is going to be just fine. This This is a really, really, really typical and developmentally appropriate behavior and no indication that this is related to pathological lying of any kind. That said, like, let's dive into some of the nuance because there's always, this this would not be a two minute episode. Come on. We have so much nuance. I'm sure to share. What are your thoughts? First of all, I would say enjoy. I mean, those are some of my favorite conversations with my kids I've ever had. Like roll with it. And that's what she said she does mostly. And so my hope is that we can just alleviate her fear. And then she just keeps having these fun, you know, I'm taller than daddy. You are awesome. What are you going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to reach over his head for the pretzels. Ooh, I can't wait. You know, I mean, just like rolling with the connectedness and the humor and the playfulness kids know it's not true, right? Like there's no, she's probably standing next to daddy and she's like (laughs) up to his thigh, you know, (laughs) it's, it's kind of, it's, it's their way of exploring this brand new thing they have, which is a great imagination. And like, isn't it cool that I can have fantasies and thoughts and I can share them with you and see what you think. And, um, Oh, you know, we can go here later, but I just, again, there's nothing to worry about. It's kids fantasies. It's kids exploring it's kids kind of playing around with, um, all of that stuff. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's serious, like longings, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, look at me, I have my own room and they share a room with a sibling, you know, and it's like, oh, you really wish you had your own room, you know? And other times it's like, yeah, I flew a plate to the moon today. Like, you know, and they're just thinking about how cool that would be. Yeah. I think we talk a lot, uh, especially on here that how kids Mm -hmm. learn through play, And we insinuate that that means like literal literal physical play. But this is also play, right? I think the idea of cognitively different kids are different. Some kids are very into the fantasy and imaginary land and this sort of cognitive play. But it's still play, right, in in young children. And it's still a way that they learn boundaries, who they are, where they can go, what's safe. And they play with concepts, to your point, Rebecca, you know, 
fantasy concepts, like things that could be real. Like I want my own room. I wonder if I have my room. I have a beautiful room in a large castle, right? Or they can play with things that are totally, you know, just a concept that bounced into their head and they're trying to bounce it off you, right? In a more cognitive play kind of manner as opposed to, you know, a physical play type of situation. To your point too, Emily, I think other, just to add on other examples of like what it might be for a child in terms of what types of concepts they might be playing with, in addition to it being like a wish or like a, you know, just fun, goofy moon. I I really like the moon. So I'm going to imagine that I flew to the moon, but I'm going to tell you that I did. But I think sometimes it's also about, um, power and like power roles, like where we are on the the hierarchy, right? Like a kid who's very aware that they are powerless or like, you know, highly dependent on adults or maybe in a different pecking order in the family among siblings, right? Like they often might lie about having more power than they do. Um, And it's, it's also a way, just like children learn through play, they process feelings through this kind of play too, right? Um, Maybe it's, I wish I had a big room, but maybe it's, I wish that my brother couldn't control me all the time because he's so much bigger than me. So I'm going to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 10 times bigger than my brother when, or I'm the oldest sibling or I'm 35 and my brother's two when their brother's five years older than them, you know, whatever. But I think sometimes a lot of it is also about like self-esteem and where you fit in the in the hierarchy in the world. That's also, I think, sure. common themes. Absolutely. Or anxiety. I mean, I think we see that a lot, right? Or worries, I should say. Not anxiety might be an over-pathological term, but, like, if your child has a worry about something, you know, that's also a way for them to express it and talk about it. So I think, which both of you have said, there's, there's um, more often than not nothing wrong <laughs> with, with this type of, 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 you know, fantasy. And, and more often than not, it's kind of nice to sort of follow it and see where they go Mm -hmm. with it and have a conversation around it to see kind of, if you're going to uncover something that might be worthwhile touching base upon or grounding in reality, right. That I think that that's a really important opportunity. So, you know, you don't want to miss that. Emily, I think that's a great point. And I think parents sometimes get really caught up in in meanings to us or kind of our stuff. So I'm thinking of kids who say things like, you know, um, I had the worst day at school. I'm going to go and go into school and I'm going to beat every single person up, you know, and parents might go to a place of, you know, you're not going to do that. That's not kind. Or, you know, or same thing. Like, you know, when daddy was here, I, you know, I hit him over the head and then I crushed him and then I locked him in a closet. And instead of being like, okay, first of all, you didn't obviously, cause I just saw daddy or, you know, second of all, that's so not, you know, Oh, that's not kind. Like roll with it. Like you're clearly yeah. really mad. Like that's what you could, you know, you want to do that. Let's stay with that. Um, yeah. Because sometimes when the theme is power or aggression, parents kind of, it's harder to engage in that than like, you know, my kid, you know, I want to fly to the moon. Right. And yet it's just as important to kind of roll yeah. with without bringing in kind of a judgment or a serious note because you want our, we want our kids to kind of open up about that stuff. It's how we tune into what's going on for them. Yeah. And it's safer for them to talk about it in this sort of second degree way, this sort of indirect maybe playful or maybe just 
I might be mad and telling you a lot, like an untruth, right? A fantasy of my aggression. So like, obviously the examples that this mom gave are like really light and fun and cute. Um, but I also think back at your point, like sometimes it doesn't come out like, uh, I didn't tell you this funny story. It's like, I locked daddy up and I poked him with a pencil until his hand fell off. Like something ridiculous, but you know, that aggression is safer, right? It's a, it's a, it's a one step removed or many steps removed from like actually acting on that feeling that a kid might have in a moment, um, and helping them be able to like articulate a feeling that they're holding on to indirectly. So shutting it down immediately is like cutting off an outlet that we kind of want our kids to continue to have access to. So like you said, Rebecca, like open-ended curious questions like, oh, and then what happened? Or, oh, how did he respond? Or how are you feeling? That's, that's intense. That, that was a hard feeling to have, whatever it might be. But like, it kind of reminds me of like play therapy with kids, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It allows you to sort of like explore concepts, see how they feel. Right. It's a safe way to talk about something with a little bit of distance, ego distance, right? You're talking about this fantasy thing, right? That has all these emotions, big emotions, big, strong things or big fantasies. And it's safer to talk about that than it is to talk about today. I had a really hard time at school, right? Um, so I think it's, it is a nice way. And I think it's a healthy way really to connect with your child and talk about material that they might not otherwise just like bring up at the kitchen table, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really good point. It makes me think too, though, since we're talking about the question, yes, we're saying to this mom, this is not going to lead to lying. This is a developmentally appropriate, typical behavior that we see in, in almost all children at this age. Like it makes me want to, you know, thread that needle of like, when do we worry about lying? Or when is, when is what the content is needing to be more explicitly discussed? I mean, I think, I think, you know, what comes after in, this is anecdotal. I don't know, you know, but I'm not like no formal developmental stages here about what I found and certainly in my own, with my own kids. And then also with clients is what comes after kind of the toddler fantasy lying is like the preschool kindergarten. Um, I didn't do that. The denial of a behavior. Um, and that's the parents really get anxious about that. Like I saw my kid, you know, break this thing by accident. And then he stood there next to the broken thing and said, he didn't do it. You know, like, mm-hmm. isn't that hard? Don't I have to teach him the importance of honesty? Don't I have to teach him never to lie? And I think that's where, you know, surprise, surprise on this podcast, like the relationship comes in. Like that's where it's all about a kid kind of knowing they just did something that upset you and suddenly not wishing they hadn't done that thing, whether it was by accident or on purpose and kind of wanting to shift the whole narrative. And, and your job as a parent at that age too, is not to be like a, you know, litigator, right? Like parents often go down this road of like, but I, I mean, I will never forget my little one holding my, this laptop that I'm using right now. And it had like pencil marks all over it. And it's holding (laughs) a pencil, you know, and I'm like, you can't 
you, you know, again, that you always say as a parent, not the things you would necessarily recommend saying in this pot, you know, um, you know, like, Z, what did you do? Like, it's my computer. You can't, you know, and he's like holding, you know, he's like, I didn't, I didn't do this. Like completely, you know, I, I have no idea how this happened. This is as much a mystery to me as it is to you, you know, and you're, <laughs> you know, and, and parents who don't, you know, necessarily do what we do for a living would absolutely, it's like, am I raising a sociopath, you know? And instead it's like, no, he knew he could just tell immediately that what he did as maybe like a playful trick or he wasn't thinking about, or he was being impulsive, I was actually really upset about. It. And so it was like, I picture a kid like, you know, back with old tape recorders, like wanting to press rewind, you know, it's like, no, can we just rewind to where I didn't do the thing? Yeah. 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 I always talk about giving kids the emotional space to own it. Right. I think when naturally your reaction is like, you just wrote all over my computer. There's no room for them to be like, yeah, I did that. But I think as much as we can, right. And so I think to this writer's point, like, if there's a, an ability to give a nonverbal, like, wink, wink, nod, nod, oh, yeah, you really did, I don't believe you. We know we have this tacit, like, sort of underlying relationship-based, Rebecca, to your point, understanding that I don't believe you. But, like, let's go down this path. Like, the thing that begins to re- teach that sort of mentalizing reflective function that we're talking about, that sort of, like, oh, I get it. I get that she understands. But, like, it's still safe, right? And so mm-hmm. I think... That's always my goal when kids quote unquote lie too much. That comes in across our desks a lot. You know, like, okay, fine. My kid was lying. My kid was saying, you know, things like this, this person's question. Um, But now it's like on overload. Like now it's too much. Like now what? You know, and I think that's where it's teaching a child to, you know, giving them a little bit of an out so that they can sort of fess up. And sometimes that's about like modulating your own reaction, slowing it down, not becoming accusatory out back, exploring why that might have happened. Zeke might have been very upset with you, Rebecca. <laughs> you know, like what's or going curious, on? Curious, and he didn't yeah. think it through. Like I think, yeah, like naming what might have been going on for a kid for them instead of demanding that they tell you. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of times, like my kid, my kids will do stuff to each other, and then. Say, I didn't, you know, he hit me. No, I didn't. Um, whereas like I, there's like a hand mark on the kid's back. It's, yeah, you did. Um, but if I sit there and be like, all right, that's it. Everybody go to your rooms. Like it, they're just going to dial down, like double down on their, on their stance because their stance is a defensive stance. So the more I'm, I entrench them in their defenses, the more they're going to feel like they can't say that they did it. And frankly, for me, I'm like, what's my biggest objective here? Is it for them to admit the lie? Or is it for them to understand the bigger picture of ownership of behaviors and, and how it impacts others? So like, I could teach that without making them tell me they did it, right? I can say, uh, I can sort of skip over the part where I need them to confess. It's not like, mm-hmm. did you do it? It's, ah, no matter what they're saying, I might say, I see that you guys are having a hard time being safe. Let's take a break. So I'm not, I'm just kind of skipping over the part of the lie. It's not to say, and again, my kids are four and six for context. Like, um, but I still might say this with even older kids slightly older kids, I would say like, I would just name the thing that I know to be true 
and kind of move to that place of like, now I'm going to address that part. Yeah. I, I think I do that a lot too. Like with my own kids, like my famous of, yes, I brushed my teeth is really very classic in my house. And I'll, and, and what I think in an older child, so for context, my 10 year old, I'll say, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's your choice at this point, right? Like you can go to bed. I, you know, I'm not sure you brushed your teeth, but you have to own it right? That's on you. You get one set of teeth, you know, now it's your choice. And I'm not going to make you say to me, I didn't brush my teeth. And then I'll, and then I might give space so that he can go brush his teeth, you know, or make that choice. Might save the face. Once I stopped with, I literally can picture it's like a flashbulb memory. I'm standing there with my computer and the pencil. Um, and I, um, but that's where I, once I kind of pause and calm down, I just said very clearly, and it gets back to the fantasy piece of, I said, I know you wish you did, you hadn't done it. Yeah. Right. You, you, you see that I'm really upset. And so you really wish you hadn't done it. I get that. I'm upset and I'm going to be okay. Let's see if we, if it'll come off with a washcloth, you know, or what, and it did, it was pencil. Might've been a different situation if it was a Sharpie, but like, I think that's so off just naming with, again, skipping over and just saying, I get it. You wish you hadn't done it. Same thing with hitting. It's funny. I find that my kids and now they're seven and nine when they, hurt each other. I mean, they don't hurt each other that badly, but like if they push each other, kind of shove each other, they'll deny, they'll um, own it. But if like they hit harder than they realize they're hitting and they actually really hurt, then they'll be like, I don't, I don't know what happened. I think he fell and hit the wall, you know? And it's like, it's so clearly like you didn't realize you hit him that hard that you left a mark and you probably didn't want to hit him that hard. I get it. Like, mm-hmm. and so again, it's like, they're just dying to do the rewind. Right. <laughs> Even, or you did and you and you feel really bad about right. it. Exactly. Right. You wish you hadn't done it. Cause like here he has like your hand mark and now you're looking at your hand marker and you're like, Ooh, I didn't realize. Right. I didn't. But if you compound that fear for that child, like I've done something really bad. I just realized it's bad or I realized I'm going to be in trouble. Right. So I've either have guilt or fear. And then if my parent then comes and makes me feel very ashamed for lying, which was a defense against the guilt or the fear, my parents compounding my desire to have a very similar, if not bigger defense against those feelings the next time, which is going to lead to more lying is a kind of, it's helpful to think, I think of lying as a byproduct rather than a primary behavior. If I do something and I feel afraid that I'm going to get in trouble or I feel deeply guilty about something or ashamed of something, and then the response my parents have confirmed that fear, I'm going to be more inclined to lie about it again because I'm learning to defend against these situations. Whereas if a parent can, again, see, just like, you know, seeing the yelling, seeing the hitting, seeing the lying as a byproduct of a very dysregulated response to a feeling um, and saying like you wish you hadn't done that or I get it. You did not think that through and now you're a little bit embarrassed or you're, you're afraid I'm going to get mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I don't like that this happened and I really want to come up with a way to prevent it from happening in the future, but I'm, I'm on your team here. We'll work together to figure that out. Um, that's going to keep the shame low. They might still have feelings, but it's just much more less likely that they're going to feel that they have to lie again the next time. That doesn't mean that one intervention will prevent all lying. It's just, it's kind of how we 
I think parents are very afraid of lying and they feel very compelled to shut it down. I, I or, think to, or to have kids mess up. I think, I think that was really important what you said, Sarah, about like kind of skipping the admitting part, right? I, I think subconscious, I mean, not even so consciously, I, we do, I do that all the time in my parenting. I skip over that, like fessing up apology, you know, piece and get to the, what is my objective out of this? What is my goal? And I do think to your point, potentially that, that does keep the shame down, which so it's sort of like a snowballing in the right direction type of effect. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, a couple of things like, so wait, hold on. I was going to say something in response to Emily, but I don't remember. So I'll say the first thing. So Sarah, the only thing I would tweak, I think about what you just said is that as kids get older, I might say, and you're right. I am mad. Yeah. And I, you're was like, I am angry. Like, like, because it's almost like the reality is where is much better than the anticipation. It's like, it's like, I am angry and look at us handling it. Like, look right. at us yeah. as a dyad handling the fact totally. that you did this thing and I'm angry. And like, again, so I just, I don't know that it's always, especially as kids get older and they are more responsible for their actions. Totally. I don't know mm-hmm. that it's always, I'm not mad at you. It might be like, and I am mad at you. It's still better to just sort of be honest about it. Totally. But I yeah. think parents worry, this is what I was going to say before. I think parents worry also so much about like, is this teaching that they're going to get away with? If you skip over it, then don't they learn that they can get away with it? And it's just sort of like, that's the wrong, I mean, I rarely say things are wrong, but that frame is just not, it's, it's actually, again, it's another counterintuitive. It's like, they actually learn that they don't need, if you do it the way we've been talking about, they learn that they don't need to lie because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, things feel safe around them as opposed to, if you make them fess up and you make them admit it and you make them apologize, there's so much shame there. It's like, right. Clearly the worst thing that happened was that I got caught. <laughs> like I just have to get, I'm not going to get caught again. <laughs> yeah. just, I, exactly. I just have to get better at lying. <laughs> Cause it's about, it's about sort of creating a different paradigm of it's like kind of throwing out this idea that a lie is a malicious volitional behavior that is intended to deceive versus a lie is a defense to protect myself against the overwhelming feeling of fear, shame, guilt. And that fear might be that you're going to like me less or, you know, it could be something much more existential, you know, than, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. It could be, I might lose your love. And I don't think that that's a conscious thought necessarily for kids, but I do think it's a driver. And so if we can reframe what a lie is in our minds. It's a sign a kid is is trying to protect themselves from a scary feeling. One, we have more empathy for our kid for lying. And two, we can address the core issue, right? Which is, yes, I need you to learn that whatever behavior you're lying about isn't effective, but I don't actually have to teach you that lying is bad because you know, that might be a conversation we could talk about. Like, what is the, what happens? Like, what is the cause and effect of a lie? Like when you lie, and I wouldn't have this conversation while a child's lying. This is a, a different conversation for another time, but to help them kind of connect dots. Like, you know, if you lie, one of the, one of the you know, risks is that it can really damage trust in a relationship. It makes it hard for me to believe you and trust you when you tell me things, right? And we, we build trust and that's an important part of our relationship. So, that's great, important stuff to teach kids. But like, if you think of the lie as a reactive byproduct of a sort of 
poorly sort of a not super sophisticated problem solving skill for managing really scary, embarrassed feelings, then we don't really actually have to deal with that. We need to deal with helping them kind of navigate those situations differently and we will likely see less lying. Spot on. Well, thank you. I love it when I get to talk to you ladies. You have just the most wonderful insight. And Rebecca, I love this image in my head of you standing with your computer and your <laughs> be like, but like, but then like, yeah, cause that's, that is a really real feeling. And most of us will go there and it still makes you, totally. you still have tons of room to be a great parent. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's totally okay. Yeah. This was such a good conversation. I always love hearing your, your, your guys's input into things. It's, it's always so insightful and I really love your anecdotes and like how much you share about like your own personal experiences too. I think it's super helpful. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.